Today on Ag News Daily. Even 54-row planters are getting so much activity and they're receiving bids from, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand miles away. So to move a 54-row planter. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Thursday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, I am much happier today. We have much warmer temperatures. We're plus zero for the first time in quite some time. I think we're at like 11 degrees, 15 degrees, something like that today. And it feels like a heat wave. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we're still experiencing a little bit of winter weather down here in Lubbock. It was snowing when I got up this morning, but we're sitting at 19 degrees. So we are much better off, I think, today. But I'm excited for some warmer weather. And I kind of think that I share that sentiment with a lot of folks. But the USDA is reinforcing to rural communities, farmers and ranchers, families and small businesses that have been affected by this recent crazy winter weather that the USDA has programs to provide assistance and the USDA staff in the regional state and county offices are prepared with a variety of program flexibilities and other assistance to residents, agricultural producers and impacted communities. Of course, they have risk management and disaster assistance for ag operations. They have programs to ensure food safety, care for livestock and pets. And I think that some of these programs will be very beneficial to those that have been affected by winter weather. And the USDA is encouraging those who have been affected to visit farmers.gov or your local USDA service center to ask some questions and inquire about some assistance if you are in need. Absolutely. Good plug there, Ashton. But also coming out of the USDA today was the expectation that U.S. farm exports will hit a record $157 billion for fiscal year 2021, an increase of about $21 billion compared to 2020. Now, a lot of this increase is due to Chinese demand. So that's kind of the lingering question is whether or not we do see China come through and purchase those products that they've promised to make. But they also noted that we could see higher exports of corn and soybeans, even with these record prices we've been having, especially as you consider that Brazil and Argentina, Brazil in particular, are having really slow harvests. I think I reported yesterday on the podcast that we're about 5 to 9% done, still well, I think 5% is what I mentioned, but still well below the five-year average. And along those same lines, Ashton, soybean harvest delays in Brazil are creating one of the biggest ever ship lineups in the top exporting country. Brazil is now seen shipping 3.2 million metric tons this month, which is down about 50% compared to previous forecasts due to the persistent rain delays and the holdback of harvest. Only about 8% of total vessels scheduled for the month of February have been exported loaded, exported, and shipped to their destination. That's very supportive, very friendly for U.S. commodities, as we know. And that uh, definitely, I'm sure, is playing into the USDA's outlook here for 2021 exports. Well, Delaney, the USDA is also predicting that upland cotton prices 
to increase for the year of 2021. And the National Cotton Council is right there with them in projecting cotton prices to remain relatively strong for the year. Jody Campeach, who is the Vice President of Economic and Policy Analysis with the NCC, says that there are several factors that are contributing to these price projections for 2021, and one of them is recovering cotton demand. Campeach was quoted as saying, we're seeing a much faster recovery than was expected, and with mills needing cotton to buy, they are projecting more cotton, and particularly they're purchasing more U.S. cotton. She also told Brownfield Ag News that exports were strong for 2020 despite shutdowns from the COVID-19 pandemic, and yields were also lower last year due to weather-related issues. She was again quoted as saying, we are going to start the 2021 crop year with less stocks. Lower stocks in the U.S. will help hold those prices up as we actually get into the 2021 crop year that begins late, later this year. And Kim Peach says that the U.S. cotton industry will face competition, of course, on the global market this year as countries like Brazil and India do have larger stocks of cotton on hand. But just a small win, I suppose, for the cotton industry. I say a win, but again, these are all projected cotton prices, but we will have to wait until later this year during cotton season to see if this holds true. Well, Ashton, another thing that could impact cotton prices this year, probably pretty favorably, is the acreage battle that we are going to soon see uh, pursue here. We've seen some latest estimates from the USDA that are now pointing to increased acres of soybeans and corn, largely due to commodity prices. I don't think that's any big surprise to anyone. But right now we've got the USDA's annual Ag Outlook Forum going on in, uh, I don't remember if that's held in Washington, D.C. or just outside of it. Um, But regardless, Seth Meyer, the chief economist at the agency, said that growers are going to plant a record combined 182 million acres of corn and soybeans this year. They're thinking so far about 90 million acres of soybeans, 92 million acres of corn, and they're expecting these plantings to surge because of commodity prices and also increased Chinese demand. We don't know yet if we will see that. You know, I actually thought that number seemed low. I figured we'd see maybe closer to a 93, 94 million metric or 93, 94 million acre number. But it does sound like we could see some acres getting pulled from cotton, wheat, milo, etc. to corn and soybeans this year. It's still a little early to know for sure, but higher commodity prices definitely are pushing folks to make some different decisions this year. That's for sure, Ashton. It certainly sounds that way, Delaney. And I just have one other non-USDA piece of news for today. We've been talking about USDA this whole whole time, but um, Summit Agricultural Group has created Summit Carbon Solutions, a business platform intended to develop the world's largest carbon capture and storage project. Summit Carbon Solutions is expected to accelerate the transition towards sustainable renewable energy by lowering the carbon footprint of biorefineries and other and other carbon dioxide emission sources throughout the Midwestern region of the U.S. When fully developed, Summit Carbon Solutions will have an infrastructure network capable of capturing and permanently storing more than 10 million tons of carbon dioxide annually, which is equivalent to taking 2 million cars off the road per year. 
The effort will enhance the economic sustainability of the biofuels and agricultural industries while providing tremendous benefits to communities across the Midwest in the form of a significant private investment and job creation. And Summit Carbon Solutions is expected to be operational in 2024. So some good news there. I, they, they say the Midwest, so I'm not exactly sure, you know, what states are involved or any of that stuff. But definitely an interesting piece of news as we continue to see farmers be more interested in carbon sequestration. But just another piece of carbon news for you today. And that's very fitting Ashton, because we're going to talk about land values as well as the equipment values. And it seems that carbon is one of the factors, along with, of course, commodity market prices and lower interest rates. But carbon is actually one of the factors driving up land prices right now, it seems, or the potential for a carbon program. We'll get to that here in just a moment, Ashton. But what do you say we take a look at run and run through some of today's closing commodity prices? Let's do it. All right. Well, we saw a little bit bit of red on the screen today in corn and soybeans, kicking things off in the March corn contract down two and three quarters cents to close at 550. The May down a penny and three quarters to close at 549. In soybeans, March down eight and three quarters cents today to close at 1375. The May down eight and a quarter to close at 1376 and a half. Hopping over to take a look at wheat, significant moves today to the upside as the March contract added 18 and a half cents to close at 662 and a half. The May up 17 and a quarter to close at 665 and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look at livestock. Weakness continued today in the cattle complex as the April live cattle contract shed $1.22 and a half to close at 122.92. The June down 85 to close at 119.77. And in feeder cattle. March down today, 22 and a half cents to close at 138.20. The April down a dollar to close at 141.75. And in lean hogs today, April down, excuse me, April up just two cents to close at 84.92. The May up 15 to close at 87.57 and a half. And rounding out our markets with the class three dairy milk futures. March down 26 today to close at 16.26. The April down 14 to close at 16.98. Ashton, without further ado, I tease that interview up. Let's go ahead and kick things off. On today's podcast, we are talking to co-CEO of Big Iron Auctions, Mark Stock. Mark, thank you for joining us this cold morning. Hey, no problem. Thank you for inviting me. So before we get started talking about, you know, farmland and equipment markets, because they're kind of a hot topic right now, hot commodity, if you will, let's talk about big iron auctions and what you guys are doing. Well, we are uh, having weekly auctions of land and uh, machinery and livestock on our BigIron.com platform. And uh, we're having a lot of sales right now. And it's all driven, a lot of it because, uh, you know, COVID changed the the landscape of a lot of the auction business. And uh, some folks want to still have their retirement sales. And we've been social distancing on BigIron.com here since uh, 2009 when we did our first timed only sale. We've been using the internet since 2001. So we've got, you know, 20 years into this space. Uh, but, uh, you know, Big Iron Auctions got reps all across uh, North America and Canada. And uh, we do all the work for the folks that want to sell some machinery. We'll take the pictures and shoot the videos and 
and post it on our website. We'll sell every piece with no reserve and no buyer's fees. And they're all sold lean free. So we've assembled a tremendous team of uh, people that work outside and inside uh, to make sure everything goes off without a problem. Mark, I want to ask you a little bit more about the land side of things here first, since you're pretty in tune with that, it sounds like as well. I was reading something the other day, I think it was like five or 6% of land values rose in the 7th Federal Reserve District. And I assume that's pretty much probably the trend across the entire U.S. Was this just driven by lower interest rates and higher commodity prices? Or is there another factor going on in driving land values? Well, it started with cheaper interest rates, with lower interest rates, historically low interest rates in my 35-year tenure. I mean, when you can lock money for 30 years at rates that we're seeing right now, that definitely adds more people to the mix. Uh, We've also seen the commodity rise here since the start of harvest that has brought a little additional uh, activity and interest. Uh, But we're also seeing a third thing that's uh, getting in a lot of discussion. It's called the carbon credits. And how that's going to affect land and land ownership. And, and if there's a way to uh, be able to capitalize off of the carbon credits that are being produced by America's farmland. Uh, so people are starting to look and research and talk about that new added value to uh, farmland ownership. And Mark, I just want to ask a quick follow up then, you know, with interest rates being so low, we're also seeing a lot of farmers transition, maybe passing on farms, having some estate farms. Are we going to continue to see a lot of farms become available here over the next five to 10 years? Where are we at as far as the transition goes? Well, I think part of the run up in value is because of the scarcity of uh, the supply. There is still land being sold, but it's not at the rates it has. It was back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. A lot of the land is passed down to the children and to the grandchildren, and those families do their best to hang on to it as long as they can. Some of the land that is being sold is uh, land that's been in the trusts for a number of years. And now the children that uh, inherited that land in that trust, you know, they, they have to do with it. Sometimes they just choose to uh, cash it out instead of having cousins and and nieces and nephews all being partnerships in in a a large uh, farming operations so we're seeing we're seeing some of that take place but uh, we're still uh, hard to find land for sale which is one of the reasons why the value is holding so well so we know kind of you've you've explained to us you know, what's driving the land market, but let's kick things over to equipment sales and why that is so hot right now. Well, one of the reasons is the supply there too. The the manufacturers had to restructure the way they put uh, tractors and combines and planters and grain trailers, trucks together because COVID changed a lot of things up. They've had to reduce their production forces and uh, I just talked to a gentleman the other day, said he ordered a new grain trailer, and uh, he probably will not be able to take possession of a new grain trailer until the middle of fall harvest in the Midwest. So um, uh, you're you're seeing that the well-cared-for, uh, low-houred pieces of equipment bringing a premium right now because you just can't get anything new uh, to be used pretty much in the 2021 uh, growing season in terms of agriculture. So if you were lucky enough to have your orders in and take possession, you're sitting fine and dandy, but uh, you know, we're seeing planters right now, these 24 and 36 and 
even 54 row planters they're getting so much activity and they're receiving bids from you know five six seven eight hundred thousand miles away so to move a 54 row planter a thousand miles that you know that they have a need for it and a desire and that's usually because they can't find anything closer or get a new one and in time to use it uh tractors we're seeing the baby boomers that are now retiring and um large numbers uh they bought uh and upgraded a lot of their machinery in 2012 13 14 because of uh, the run-up in commodity prices during that time period and they were uh, buying and upgrading machinery to utilize their 179 tax uh, uh tax benefits so they've got equipment that has low hours on it now and they are making the decision to retire and it's kind of like the perfect storm for our sellers because uh they have low houred equipment. Uh, a buyer can't get anything new. So it's a great time to be retiring and having your auctions right now because of the demand cycle and the uh, the the need and the desire for this low houred, well cared for equipment. And Mark, along with that, you know, we saw a record amount of farm subsidies being passed out last year with market facilitation payment programs and the CFAP program. Did you see that impact equipment trends at all with guys needing to spend more money at the end of the year? We absolutely saw that. And I think that's one thing that we've always tried to explain to people in Washington, D.C., is that if the farmer makes money, they are the they are fantastic at recycling that money. They'll keep the economy moving. They'll buy uh, equipment. Uh, they'll buy vehicles. They'll uh, prepay some of the fertilizer and the chemicals. They'll keep that money cycling because the, they are manufacturing plants and they're manufacturing your food fiber and your fuel, folks. So uh, they have to have those inputs. And they'll, uh, if they make a dollar, they're going to make sure that they spend uh, to keep uh, their operations in full force. The saying out there is if you're not growing, you're slowing. And uh, farmers like to keep growing their operations. Certainly they do, Mark. And one thing that I kind of want to know or what I'm curious about is what's really selling on the auction block and kind of, you know, what's uh, the, the current trend, I suppose, on what people are buying. They're buying anything that's low-houred and well-cared for, and they're paying premiums for them. Uh, we just had a sale this last week where, uh, you know, there were some 20-inch uh, pl- uh, corn um, heads that were being sold, 18-row, 20-inch corn heads sold. They brought over $110,000 a piece, and um, you just you just can't find those or get access to them. So, uh any type of machinery right now that's got a good reputation, uh, well cared for, good maintenance programs is topping the market. Uh, tractors selling outstanding. We've even got tractors that are 25 and 30 years old that are setting new record high prices. A lot of that is because there's a certain percentage of people uh, want to be able to fix their equipment themselves, and and uh, uh, so that so they'll buy one of those tractors that isn't totally 100% computerized or you need a computer to plug into it to diagnose the problem. Uh, but uh, we're, we're seeing uh, uh, GPS and satellite equipment uh, now having a, a big influence and a big increase in demand because more and more people are going to that technology all the time. The younger folks get into the business, they want to be able to push the auto steer buttons and uh, dads and grandpas are they're, they're making those investments. So 
a lot of trucks, a lot of trailers, a lot of service vehicles, skid steers, construction equipment is even uh, good demand in the ag sector because farmers always have a little updates they need to do, whether they're rebuilding a terrace or whether they're uh, doing a little work on uh, up, updating some of their farmlands with the uh, ditches and development, such like that. So, you know, the skid loaders and the midsize excavators and and the smaller dozers, they, they have good demand too. So we're seeing a wide variety of people playing hard to acquire good quality equipment in all aspects of agriculture. Yeah, and it's and uh, hard to believe it right now with these poor temperatures, but uh, spring planting is right around the corner. And I'm sure some guys are going to be looking for some upgrades. Uh, you're heading into planting season. Mark, before we let you go, tell us a little bit more about how folks can check out current listings. Well, if you go to BigIron.com, folks, uh, you'll be able to see uh, all of the equipment that we have for sale and you can sort it. Uh, in a variety of ways or filter it in a variety of ways. We have our featured sellers. So if you're looking for a neighbor who's using Big Iron and you just want to find their machinery, you can click on their name or type in their name in the search box and only their items will come up. Um, but uh, whether you want to browse our different categories, whether it's the ag category, the, the transportation category, the construction category, even the livestock, we're starting to sell livestock right off the ranches right now on BigIron.com. These uh, top performing bulls and and good quality uh, breeding animals are being sold on BigIron.com. Uh, so you have your choice of selecting all of that uh, different makes and models and types of categories. And that's one thing that's unique about Big Iron that we've been from the beginning. We have always published the owner's name. We have always published their phone number. So any prospective bidder or buyer can call them and ask questions. We do videos. We do a lot of pictures. We know that people aren't going to drive a thousand miles to look at a piece of machinery, but they'll buy it and they'll freight it home. So we provide as much information as possible so that bidder and that buyer can be confident and comfortable about the process of an online auction. So we strongly encourage and recommend people to contact the seller or the big iron rep, ask them the questions, look at the pictures, watch the videos, and then everything sells with no reserves. And there's never a buyer's fee on BigIron.com and everything is lien free as well. So it truly is an, uh, an unreserved or absolute auction uh, where the first bid comes in at zero. We start every item at zero and let the public establish the selling price. Sounds good. Well, Mark, thanks again for joining us today to chat about land and equipment trends. It's certainly interesting to touch base on that every year. So thanks for joining. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks again there to Mark Stock of Big Iron for coming on and talking to us today. I definitely think that what's going on in the equipment market as well as the farmland market is definitely interesting. And I'm really glad that we got to learn about those driving forces today. Absolutely. As am I, Ashton. And it's very fitting. You know, we've got plant planting season here coming up quickly and folks might be looking for some new equipment needs for their planting season. We're going to continue covering planting and other great topics here on the podcast. But if you have any past episodes you've missed out on, be sure to check us out at agnewsdaily.com or on any of your favorite podcasting platforms or follow along with us on social media at agnewsdaily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ashton, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.